0: So Dave Papavisi and I have known each other for nearly twenty-two years now. We both were at Brownsville together, and as long as I've known him, prayer has seemed to be as easy to him as singing is to a bird. (laughs) He is a uh, anybody who knows him can attest to the fact that there's something about him, something unique. There's almost like an underlying, there's like an underlying power. Uh, when he speaks there's a fragrance of Christ that's with him and there's a hovering presence that melts the heart as he begins to minister the word so I just really am excited for those of you that don't know him and those of you that do know him to hear what God has been doing in his life and and in his own heart so Dave thank you so much for making time to come on bro
1: yeah no thank you Eric thanks for the opportunity so I wanted to start off by just
0: Opening it up and saying what well, what's been going on in your heart, tell the people.
1: Yeah, man. Um, I think it's so important for us to when we worship, when we come to the Lord, we know Him. Our obedience, our our love for Him, our experience of Him has to be rooted and anchored in the revelation of who He is, the way He's revealed Himself to be. Um, and and one of the things I, I'm always reminded of is as I as I look through the Gospels, is Jesus preaching the gospel of the kingdom. He, Jesus talked about. The kingdom of God more than he did anything else, and of course he himself was the embodiment of the king, and his his very way of life was the was the pure and perfect expression of what the culture of the kingdom of God and the mission of the kingdom of God looks like in the earth. And uh, something I thought was really interesting is that. You know, when we read all throughout the gospels, Jesus is teaching on the kingdom of God, his parables on the kingdom of God. In in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter one, it says that after Jesus was raised from the dead, that he spent 40 days with his disciples from the time that he was raised from the dead to the time that he ascended. And, And just for time, we won't get into it for time's sake, but even that is significant, just the 40 days. And it says that he was teaching them or speaking to them about the kingdom of God. I mean, this is the resurrected Jesus. This is the resurrected Jesus, the resurrected God man. And for forty days, he he touches on and he teaches on the kingdom of God. And of course, we read through the book of Acts and we see the the, the breaking in of the church and what it looks like. Uh, the church starts to take shape, so to speak. The people of the kingdom, and and their love for and their obedience to this king named Jesus. Uh, but then at the very end, so the, the book ends of the book of Acts, that's how Acts starts, right? Uh, but the book ends at the very end, um, in, in Acts 28, uh, where is it at? Yeah, in Acts 28, verse 23, it says, uh, so Paul's already in Rome at this point, And it says, uh, towards the end of his life, and it says that when they had set a day for Paul, They came to him at at his lodging in large numbers, and he was explaining to them by solemnly testifying about the kingdom of God and trying to persuade them concerning Jesus, both from the law of Moses and the prophets from morning until evening. Some were persuaded by the things he spoke. Others would not believe. It's interesting to me because that, that reminds me of the same thing that happened in Matthew 28. Jesus takes them up to the high mountain. And and he gives the commission of the kingdom. And it says some worshiped him, but some doubted in their hearts. And then again, um, in verse, uh, last couple of verses of, of Acts 28. And this is the way the book ends. It says he stayed two full years in some form of like house arrest is what many scholars believe in his own rented quarters. And he was welcoming all who came to him and he preached the kingdom of God. And he taught concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness and unhindered. So I think I think that this theme of the kingdom of God is very important. Jesus's message was the kingdom of God. Uh in his resurrected form as the God man, he spends 40 days with his disciples and he teaches on the kingdom of God. And then at the other book end of the book of Acts, the author, Luke, by under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he wants us to leave with this on our minds that that Paul's last days in Rome before he would give his life for the gospel of course that's not recorded in scripture but we know it through church history he's teaching on the kingdom of God and so i think that that's that's important to us but then what what does it what is god trying to communicate to us through it and i think there's a lot of things he is trying to communicate and he does communicate but the thing that stands out and i'd like to talk about today just for the sake of time is from revelation chapter 1 um, John, the beloved disciple of Jesus, he has this encounter with the Lord that marks all of human history. And uh, But before he does, as he's writing this, this revelation of Jesus Christ, he says in verse 5, um, uh, let me see. Well, for him, from in verse four, from him who is, who is and was and is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ the faithful witness, and the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us, released us from our sins by his blood, and he has made us to be a kingdom, of priests to his God and Father. It's the same thing that he re- he reiterates again in in chapter five, when when he has this vision the spirit of God allows them to see a vision of what is happening before the throne in chapter five. And, and they're singing this song, this new song verse nine and 10. And what he says is uh, that he, that he is worthy to take the book and break its seals for he's the one who was slain and purchased for God with his own blood, men from every tribe and tongue, people and nation. And you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God. And they will reign upon the earth. Again, kingly priests. And that's significant because when John has the vision of Jesus, that's what he sees him as. He describes him in detail. And this is the most descriptive picture of Jesus that we have as the resurrected God-man, the one who was fully God and the one who was fully man forevermore. And, of course, we see in Matthew 17, you know, Jesus' identity is revealed in, in, in Matthew 16 by Revelation. Peter gets a revelation concerning who Jesus is, but then he, he doesn't understand the way that that takes on flesh, the way that that plays out in the earth, looks like him identifying with the cross. And so, of course, Jesus rebukes him, but then in the very next chapter, on, on top of the mountain, he reveals himself to them. Besides that revelation of Jesus, we don't see him in glory uh, in that kind of a way. Outside of, outside of Revelation chapter one as a glorified uh, man. And uh, it's interesting because he's wearing that robe, that priestly robe that goes down to his feet with a golden sash, which is that kingly you know, uh, insignia. He is, the, he is the kingly priest forevermore. And um, that, that's important for us for so many different reasons even in, in first Peter chapter two, for example, he says that our, our our own identity is that we ourselves are a, we ourselves are living stones. We make up a temple. We offer spiritual sacrifices to God. Um, and, and one of the things that stands out from, from the book of Hebrews, when just talking about these same things is in Hebrews chapter six, um, the author of Hebrews says something that's very interesting. He says, uh, let's leave behind the elementary teachings about Jesus Christ, the elementary doctrines of Christ, not do away with them, but build on top of them. And let us press on to maturity, not laying again. And he talks about what those doctrines of Christ or those truths concerning his person that we ought to build on and move higher and higher, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God. So he's saying, yes you must accept Jesus as your savior, right? He must be the savior from sin. Yes, the one who forgives us from sin. He said, let us, let us press on from the place of instruction or teaching about baptisms, right? So he must be known as savior and baptizer, right? He goes on and he says, and about laying on of hands, talking about you know, commissioning those into, into ministry. He must be known as the one who himself sets apart just the way he told Paul, I set you apart, the one, the, the, the imparter of grace, the one who gives gifts and graces. And he must be known as the one who, um, who himself resurrects the dead and himself will become the eternal judge. But he says, these things, we, we, we will do these things, but we will press on to more if God permits. So he's saying, listen, this is foundational to our faith. We by no means do away with them at any point in life. But let us press on to maturity. Let's not just go in cycles. The church can't just go in cycles, you know, struggling with sin, free from sin, experiencing the power of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, living without his power. Understanding what it means to experience the grace of God and the gifts of God and and leadership and then, you know, confusion about it, you know, dissension about it different, you know, debating over, you know, is he going to come back now or is he going to come back later? Rather, you know, he's saying, listen, all these things are important, but then what does what he go on to do in chapter seven, eight, nine? He goes on to talk about Jesus as the great high priest. So I, I don't believe that the scripture is leaving us like in, in the dark about what those things are. He says, we will talk about those things if the Lord permits. I believe what he's talking about is this, upon the foundation of the fundamental foundations of faith that we hold to dearly, the essential foundations of faith, we must press on to know Jesus as a great high priest. That's what I believe he's saying. We must understand him as a great high priest. When when John sees him, he sees him as the kingly priest. And he talks about our own identity and calling as a people who are to forever to be a priesthood, to minister before him. And then even in Hebrews chapter 13, at the very end of Hebrews 13, he, he talks about this... Uh, the expression of what it looks like. He says in verse 15 and 16, it says, through Christ, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. And that is the fruit of lips. Let us give thanks to his name and let us not neglect doing good and sharing for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. He's using that word of sacrifice for a reason, because when we think about priesthood, I know a lot of things come to mind. Um, certainly blood comes to mind when we think about Old Testament priesthood. What, what does a priest even do? Um, blood comes to mind, but sacrifice was so much more than just blood. Sacrifice was the foundation of the priesthood. Um, it's, it's, it's not coincidental that Jesus is revealed as the one who wears the priestly robe with the kingly sash. And it describes his, 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 his hair, white as wool, this picture of the son of man. He himself is the one who is the image of God from Daniel 7. Uh, we see him as the one with eyes that burn like fire, his purity. But then it talks about his feet as being burnished, um, as, as bronze, as bronze in a fire. And when we think about even the temple imagery or the tabernacle imagery, what do we know was brazen or bronze it was the altar of, of, of sacrifice? Jesus himself is the one who stands in the midst of altar of sacrifice. He is the one who walks the sacrificial way, right? God so loved that he gave. He is the self. He's the one who self he empties of himself perpetually. And he gives Um, Jesus is the perfect representation of God because he himself is the perfect representation of sacrifice. And so when we see Jesus in Revelation chapter one, he's, he's, he's presented as such. And even here in, in Hebrews 13, he, he talks about the, the twin elements of what it means to be a priest in verse 15. He talks about worship, right? It's, it's worship. It's the fruit of our lips. It's the sacrifice of praise is giving thanks to his name. It's, it's a sacrifice. It's, it's, it's not a sacrifice in that it's like a, uh, Something that is burdensome to us because even keeping the commands of God, according to the scriptures are not burdensome, but it's something that we offer up. A sacrifice is what I choose to offer up. I have other alternatives. I have other choices, but God, I choose to offer up to you. My time, my attention, my words, my thanksgiving. And then the very next verse to not neglect doing good, but in sharing literally of our own, uh, our own possessions our the things that are, important to us. There are resources, the things that may, may be valuable to us. We we share those things. It's the same picture. It's sacrifice towards God and it's, it's sacrifice towards men. It's, it's the way I believe that Jesus wants to be known. And you know, like the saying goes in, in today's generation, there are levels to this, right? <laughs> whatever, whatever we're talking about, right? There are levels to it. Um, whether we're talking about sports, whether we're talking about anything in life, there are levels. We could be talking about the same thing, but there are levels. I believe knowing Jesus as, as priest and identifying with him as priest speaks to that. Um, because when we, will, when we look at the very end of how the scriptures come to a conclusion, it's revealing him as that. It's revealing us as that. He even says in, in those... Um, parables in the gospels where he's talking about his return. He's saying, you didn't come and feed me when I was hungry. You didn't visit me in prison. When I was there, you didn't come visit me when I was sick. When have we ever done that? He said, to the least of these, it's the same picture. It's ministering to him and it's ministering to others. It's it's Jesus telling Peter, do you love me? When he restores him, do you love me? He wants his affection he wants his affection. He wants to restore him in the, in the area of his affection, in the area of his soul. And he says, Lord, you know, I love you. And he asks him, of course, we know, three times. And, and I won't get into it for the sake of time. You know, uh, what kind of love was he asking for, etc. But But Jesus' response every time is unique because he says, if you love me, go feed my sheep. <laughs> right? So it's love me and feed them. He, he marries the two. Again, it's that same picture of, of Jesus, the high priest, and what it means to be a priest, the embodiment of the priesthood. It's, it's the author of Hebrews saying, listen, upon the foundations and essentials of our faith, let us press on to maturity. Well, what does it mean to be a mature? It means to understand his heart's desire and keeping him central as the center of all things. And, and even, with the, even with the brazen altar, I think it's, it's interesting that the brazen altar was made of wood that was overlaid with bronze. I think the, the wood speaks to the cross, um, and and of course Jesus's feet. He walks in the way of sacrifice. He's the one that embodies it perfectly. When we think of Jesus, he's the tree of life that is hung on a dead tree. Because you know, obviously, a cross is no longer rooted in the earth. It's a dead piece of wood. He's the living tree that embraces the dead tree to make it alive again for us who would embrace him as he is. And so I think, I think that's one of the things, I believe that's one of the things the Lord is saying to his church, um, especially in these last days. Paul even tells the Corinthians, you know, the Corinthians, they understand some of these things that, that Hebrew six talks about. They understand that Jesus is the savior, right? They understand the message of the cross, um, They understand the gifts of the spirit. They don't fully understand everything concerning the resurrection of the dead and different things like that. But one of the things he says in chapter four is he says, sorry, almost like facetiously or sarcastically to a degree, he says, you guys have become kings without us, right? He says, you guys are already kings. I wish you would have waited for us too, right? (laughs) You know, in essence, he's like, he's like, and then he says, because us, I feel like we're exhibited as as like a, a, a spectacle. A theatrical spectacle to angels and to men. Why? Because and then he goes on to talk about his catalog of sufferings. But really, what he's talking about is our life is a living sacrifice to him and to you. But but your interpretation of it is is you rule now, not as a priest through the way of b- bronze and feet, if that's even a word, brazen feet, right? <laughs> not through standing in a place of sacrifice, right? Not through identifying with the one who is the great high priest, who forever lives at the right hand to make intercession for us. It's not something that Jesus chooses to put to the side. This is the way the kingdom of God operates is through intimacy, relational intimacy. He's forever before the face of his father. We live with him forever because we forever will live in him, contingent upon his perpetual intercession forever we are forever connected to the father and to him because he's forever connected to the father for us. And, um, Jesus as the great high priest, as the kingly priest, Jesus shows us what it looks like to rule in the earth through identifying with him as the priest through, through self-sacrifice God. So loves that he gives. And, um, these are some of the things that, that have been brewing inside of me as of late, <laughs>
0: That's incredible. I actually read from one of the old Puritans the other day as you represent me before God, let me represent you before men. And in essence, I think it's an encapsulation of this priesthood as we recognize him representing us before God. And then representing him before men would be, in essence, what you're saying with yes, we minister unto the Lord, but part of that ministry unto the Lord. Is reaching out and doing what God in obedience has spoken to us to do. I I read this book recently by uh, Dane Ortland, and he talked about the priesthood a bit and how Jesus sympathizes with us, literally becomes acquainted with our humanity, part of that beauty, the beauty of his priesthood. He says, Jesus can deal gently with the ignorant and the wayward. This means that the point is Jesus deals gently and only gently with all sinners who come to him, irrespective of their particular offense and just how heinous it is. What elicits tenderness from Jesus is not the severity of the sin, but whether the sinner actually comes to him. He says, whatever your offense may be, he deals gently with you. If we never come to him, we will experience a judgment so fierce, it will be like a double-edged sword coming out of his mouth. But if we do come to him as fierce as his lion-like judgment would have been against us, so deep will his lamb-like tenderness be for us. Jesus, with Jesus, there is no neutral. He's he's pointing out this identification that he has with us and coming low and being gentle with us because he understands us and walks with us in the midst of our weaknesses and our failures and our, our tribulations and trials. And He this identification in and of itself, I think is part of that priesthood that you're talking about. I, I once heard a guy say, I took a class on the person of Christ. I took a class on the work of Christ, but no one ever talked about the heart of Christ. And, and part of this priesthood is the heart of Jesus is it's not just, you know, the person of christ is a priest and the work of christ is a priest but his heart is a priest you know who represents and takes us in and deals so tenderly with with us and we both of us have experienced such tenderness from jesus throughout our lives but so in essence if i was to encapsulate what you're saying to the people and correct me or add to it if you wish it seems like you're calling people to look at jesus in his office and his work and his person, his, his very heart, as a sympathetic human God, God who represents us in the cross and the gospel before God as priest. But also creates in us a priesthood as well that first of all ministers unto the Lord and then also, as you were saying, ministers from the Lord. Uh, to people. Would you say that's a way to encapsulate the exhortation
1: to the the common man that's watching this? Sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I would say it's, it's understanding Jesus's identity and calling, like you mentioned, as our great high priest, not just on this side of eternity in order to get us to the place of salvation, Mm -hmm. but forevermore, he's a great high priest. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and the good news of it doesn't end with the fact that he delivered us from our sins. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't end with that. That's just the beginning of the yeah. good news.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, it's great news that he doesn't allow us to just remain free from the penalty of sin, but he brings us into union with himself, which is we are co-laborers with him. We ourselves become a kingdom or a nation or a people. That are now a priesthood unto Him, and so the very way that He ministers to the Father, we now enter into by His grace. The same way He lived on the earth, mm-hmm. He now invites us to live in the earth. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the way of love is yeah. the way of sacrifice. Yeah. Sacrifice is not a burdensome word to a man in love. Yeah, same right. <laughs> but it's a very heavy word uh-huh. to. If, if if we don't understand him, like you said, if we don't understand him as the priest, as a sympathetic one, as the gentle one, as the loving one, if we don't see him as he is, it it would be a it would be a heavy word.
0: Yeah, so true. So would you pray in some way specifically for this revelation for the viewers that are watching this, myself included?
1: Yes. Yeah. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you that. Uh, you show us in your word who you are and you show us your heart's desires and by the spirit of god you work those things on the inside of us and lord i ask for all those that may be watching today including for ourselves lord that that you would by the power of your spirit continue to reveal jesus to us as the great king and high mm-hmm. priest that you would bring us into the same calling into the same experience that you would work in us this grace, Lord, to know you, to minister before your face. Yes, Lord. To be identified by ministering to you. Yes. And God, that in that place of ministry to you, Lord, that you would begin to share your heart's affections with us and that we would enter the way of sacrifice, the way of love, and that we would allow you through us to touch and to love and to heal a world that you so deeply care for yes lord. thank you lord thank you lord Amen. Thank you. so uh
0: i don't know what you're allowed to share but uh what's 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 been happening in the work and how can people help uh, what you're doing in you know wherever you are
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, thanks. We're, I won't give the city, but we're in Iraq. Yeah. <laughs> we're in Iraq, and we've been here now for uh, man almost nine years. At the end oh, of this year, be nine goodness years. Goodness gracious! And uh, yeah, time flies. <laughs> but uh, the the work is going well. I mean, in the Middle East, there's always challenges. Things move at a different speed over here. Yeah, um, th- different culture, different set of challenges. But at at a fundamental level, people are still people. The word of God is still the word of God. The spirit of God is still who He is. Yes. And uh and, and we've seen more growth in the work in the last, I want to say like two, two and a half years than the first, whatever it was, six. Um, a lot more Muslims come into faith, both through just one-on-one. We'll meet with people one-on-one. We do outreaches. Uh, we do, we have a social media presence. There's so many testimonies. If I were to share so many testimonies concerning like. Visions and dreams and That's crazy and healings and things of that nature. Honestly, at this point, I could say for the first time in our in our work, maybe in this last season of time, we feel like one of the prayers we're praying more consistently is Lord, send labors, send, wow. send God-filled men. One of the things that I always remember, one of one of your quotes is the Lord is not looking for people who would work for Him, but people in Him. I'm sorry, but people in whom he can do his work (laughs) and through whom he can do his work, right? And so it's those kind of God-filled labors that we're looking for Mm. um, to come and partner over here. And we believe God is continuing to send, but things are going well. There are different expressions of the ministry. You know, we have a prayer room where we're seeking to to keep the incense of God burning on the altar, so to speak, in unity (laughs) with the different churches that are here. Of course, the outreach component, discipleship component, um, raising up leaders. And so, yeah, things have been going well. And as far as how they can connect with us, of course, they can pray for us and they can connect with us through our website if they wanted to. Um, do you want, should I give the website or? Yeah, sure. Oh, <laughs> okay. it's <says> just KGMIQ.org, <laughs> KGMIQ.org. So they can, they can connect with us through the website. And of course, we always appreciate prayer and things of that nature.
0: Praise God. Well, man, I thank you so much for coming out. I guess I'll close with a quote from Hezekiah. He says, he says, my sons do not be negligent now for God has chosen you to stand before him and to minister unto him. (laughs) (laughs) I love you, brother.